Well, the Michigan State Spartans returned two key veterans for a fifth year this week. And with the top tier recruiting class, is this the year that Tom Izzo breaks the Big Ten's lengthy national championship drought? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Andy Patton, and we are talking three powerful college hoops programs today, all in various states of transfer portal craziness. We're going to talk about Texas and the recent departures impacting their program. We're going to talk about Gonzaga's lengthy list of departures as well, but we're starting on a much, much happier note, talking about the Michigan State Spartans today with Matt Sheehan, the host of Locked On Spartans. And Matt, Tom Izzo doesn't really care about the transfer portal, and apparently neither do his guys, because he is returning dang near everybody. Uh, Tyson Walker, Malik Hall announced their return to Ann Arbor, or excuse me, to East East Lansing. Let's make sure we get that correct. Close Um, enough, right? Yeah. Right, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Two key players for a team that had a surprising run to the Sweet 16 last year, two veteran guys. Uh, I want to yep. just kind of start talking about what veteran experience. I mean, these guys are all over 23 years old. I think you mentioned on one of your shows that they have a handful of guys over 23 at this point. What is that kind yep. of veteran experience for a team like Michigan State, for a coach like Tom Izzo? What does that do for this team as they look to, to potentially, you know, hang a banner next year? Yeah, it, it does plenty, right? I mean, that's not breaking news to anyone. Um, but you get the old man's strength. You know, these twenty, th- these geezers that are 23 years old. Uh, you get Malik Hall, you get Tyson Walker, and then A.J. Hogard mm-hmm. is that third person. But you get that core of three players that is used to playing in the Tom Izzo system. Yeah. And Tom Izzo's best teams are also player coach. Yeah. You know, these are three guys that are going to step up as leaders next year. You also have guys that have been around the block for a while, too, in Mati Sissoko, Jaden mm-hmm. Akins. For now, we can get to him in a little bit. But, I mean, just like you said off the top, too, like there's also a top three recruiting class coming in. So it is a nice Mm -hmm. cocktail of great young talent, but veteran Mm -hmm. leadership. And, hey, you know what? Like I I know that we're talking about can they break the drought of a Mm -hmm. national title for the Big Ten. But in East Lansing, there's a smaller drought that has been broken, and that is Michigan State for the first time since that 2000 season, the the Mm 2019-2000 season. It's going into the year as the top dog in the Big Ten, and yeah. that's that's a long time for us state fans. I know that mm-hmm. comes off very arrogantly, but like I, <laughs> I'm a Gonzaga look, I, guy, so you know it's right, you know it's it's like there's some truth to it. Like it has been a hot minute since yeah. we have been the top dog, and so mm-hmm. it is a return to the top. Michigan State will be the best team on paper going in. Mm-hmm. Purdue will probably have something to say about that, but then mm-hmm. after Wisconsin, then there's like a kind of a steep drop off too. Again, a lot of things to go through with the transfer mm-hmm. portal season. One team can spike up, but as it stands right now, I'm assuming. Yeah. Sitting really good, really good. Yeah, and it's funny because we talked so much in March. Uh, myself, my co-host Isaac Shade talked so much mm-hmm. about how important veteran guard play is in March. Yeah. It seems to be in in a, a tournament that is as unpredictable as basically anything that exists in American sports. If we're being honest, it's completely chaotic. But Correct. that is one thing that does tend to stand out. And look, I mean, look at San Diego State, a team that nobody. Nobody. If you if you had San Diego State in your national championship game, let me know and send me a picture because I need proof Please. of that. And yeah. I'm not trying to discredit them. They're a good program, but nobody had them there. But when you look at their roster, you look at Matt Bradley, you look at Darion Trammell, you look at Lamont Butler. They had veteran guards, and that's what got them yeah. there. You look at this Michigan State team, they're going to be in a similar situation. But what they have is that coupled with, like you said, a nice little cocktail of elite 
young potential one and done, or at least like high profile in the words of Dick Vitale, diaper dandies coming into this program. You have Xavier Booker, who is eighth in the class, according to 24 seven sports. He's a big man. You have Jeremy fears, a point guard coming in 24th in the class. And then you have a wing coming in in Cohen Carr. you got a nice little mix, kind of everybody at a different position. He's 53rd in the class, all three guys expected to make some level of contribution. And that's kind of what I wanted to, to check in with you on because what so many other teams are seeing, and we'll get to it with both Texas and Gonzaga, is the it's difficult to bring high-level players in and keep mm-hmm. high-level players still in your program. And even, I mean, the, the biggest, bluest bloods are struggling with this. North Carolina yes. is struggling with this. Right. Duke is struggling with this. Gonzaga and Texas are struggling with this. Kansas, Kentucky, they're all struggling with this. Michigan State has lost one player that I can count this season. That's Pierre Brooks. That's it. So for me, unless unless I'm missing somebody, but for me, like uh, that, Joey Hauser, I do want to add Joey Hauser. Yes. He hasn't made it official official, but he would be the other guy. He would um, be the other so, guy. But right. by and large, so. we're talking about a program that that seems to be able to add high profile talent from a recruiting yep. perspective while still maintaining a three or four year plan for many of their guys. Not a lot of teams are doing that. How is Michigan State able to do that and how impactful is that for them? Yeah, first, uh, the, the Joey Hauser thing, that's because he he could have come back to Michigan State. That's not a thing he left through the transfer portal. Like, I think you were alluding to, so sorry yeah. if I misspoke there. But how it's done, uh, well, it, it can be done in two ways. One is is have guys that are really good college players that won't mm-hmm. translate to the NBA. You know, mm-hmm. like that's, that's, that's pretty good with Tyson Walker, right? He's a little right undersized, <laughs> and as good as a defender he is, you know, he's a north of 40% three-point shooter. He showed mm-hmm. a great finishing package around the rim this year. Like, mm-hmm. he, he wasn't going to go anywhere. So, like, that. Yeah. That really helps, doesn't it? Uh, also, yeah. AJ Hogard, you know, solid point guard, but he doesn't have a jump shot that will translate to the league, at least mm-hmm. not yet. I don't know if he yeah. ever will, but so it's stuff like that. All right. So yeah. I just want to clear that out of the way right now. But also, if I just go to the man himself, Tom Izzo, and he has been, as you know, we've been talking about, as everyone's been talking about, he's loud about mm-hmm. the transfer portal and how much yeah. like he doesn't really like it. Yes, he acknowledges that is a part of basketball, but things mm-hmm. should change and kids leave too early, yada, yada, yada. But also mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season, State fans, like myself, were mm-hmm. crying that he was only going into the season with nine scholarship players last year and yeah. no real proven center. But he rode with his guys. He rode into the season. And I think mm-hmm. that really resonates with the players as yeah. well. So there's a method to the madness. Um, mm-hmm. Again, you can still debate if that was the right move going into last season, right. you know, having the patchwork center position. But, yeah. hey, that's how you're able to get this top three class. I don't think mm-hmm. that's a coincidence is his right. thought on keeping his guys and also bringing in this crop of talent, but also why guys mm-hmm. are sticking around. Now, mm-hmm. if I can interject and just hijack something really quick, the the one storyline too that um, has us a little on edge over in East Lansing is like, what does Jaden Akins do? And Izzo spoke to this without saying his name at the press conference, but he all but said that he expects him to put his name in the NBA draft, mm-hmm. but come back to Michigan State and he doesn't expect him to transfer. Now, of course, mm-hmm. he's got a, a full month to make right. this decision of transferring Tyson Walker coming back, he will go into that number two role. And then mm-hmm. that's the role that Aikens kind of wants, but Hey, I mean, they made it work at the end of last year with all three of those guys on the court mm-hmm. at the same time. So hopefully sticks around, but yeah, that's just, it is very sunny in East Lansing right now. There's rainbows everywhere. The birds <laughs> are flocking. The rabbits are jumping, but like there is that one little cloud in the distance yeah. that we're wondering like, is that going to bring rain or is that just some shade for us? So yeah. like, it, yeah, that's uh, the, the four one one here. In sunny yeah. East Lansing. And it's funny because like, it's just, it's such a difficult, delicate balancing act. And, very, and you very. see so many programs do seemingly everything right. And it just, it doesn't always work. Like 
I'll know. use Duke as an example. Duke probably couldn't have projected that Kyle Filipowski is going to come back for a second year. I don't imagine they had that on their bingo card. Are they happy? I imagine they're thrilled. Yeah. But they right. lost the top 10 recruit who instantly entered the transfer portal in Mubako. I cannot say his yep. name. I'll apologize right one. next time. That's a tough <laughs> one. <laughs> but he enters the transfer portal, and you can understand why. You can understand why. And it's a tough loss for Duke because who knows? Would he have been better? Is one year of Filipowski better than potentially two or three years of this guy? Would he have only been a one-year guy? You don't know. You don't know the answers to those questions. For Michigan State, if they recruited a high-level young center last year, does Xavier Booker – decommit does he go somewhere else like do you lose that kind of talent and so it seems like you know i don't want to say it's guesswork because it's not and some level you're always guessing a little bit but it sure seems like Izzo has figured out the math to get the guys who are as high profile as you can get as talented as you can get while maintaining some level of camaraderie amongst the rest of the team and not not pissing people off really hard to do I, it's impossible to do almost. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's banana land. So yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, but that's, that's, that's how MSU got themselves into where they are next year. Top five team, possibly top three team. I saw Jay Billis had them at number two behind Duke. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Oh my yeah. God, I need to start fanning myself <laughs> off here because it's, it's been a minute. Like we said that yeah. we've had these expectations and the higher expectations are, well, mm-hmm. the, the more it hurts when things don't go yeah. right. So, <laughs> but hey, I'd rather have them than not have them. Absolutely. And we'll we'll have a conversation as we get much closer to the season, as we see what happens oh, with yeah. you know, Zach Eady at Purdue and, and Indiana's sure. roster and some of the other teams in, in the Big Ten. But right now, as we are speaking on April 13th, you have to imagine that Michigan State is at the very least the favorite yeah. to win the Big Ten, right? I be, they they have to be in BartTorvik.com if you, uh, anyone ever uses that website out there. Yeah. They're the number three team in the country right now, mm-hmm. and I think the next Big Ten team is Purdue. They're in the high teens, and then Wisconsin is at 21. So mm-hmm. like they, there is a big gap between MSU and Purdue. And oh mm-hmm. boy, oh Matt, thank you so much for taking the time. We'll let you cool off a little bit. It's been a very very exciting week yeah. uh, for for the Michigan State Spartans, but uh, hopefully going to going to translate into a fantastic season next year for them. So hope so. Always great talking to you, Andy. Appreciate it. The Rodney Terry era at Texas went fantastic during the season last year, but this offseason has seen a lot of key departures. Could this be a sign of concern in Austin? Before we get to that, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need to get the best tasting protein bar ever built. You have got to try this. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, then I've got just the thing for you. Built Bars and Built Puffs. They are healthy and they taste amazing. You will not think that they are healthy for you. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they are covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. They only have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club where you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puff. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter puff, and churro puff. You can thank me later. Built Bar, a proud sponsor of the Locked On Podcast Network. 
All right, segment two, I want to thank all of you for making Locked On College Basketball your first listen of the day. Don't miss Isaac and I's revisited top 10 for next season next Monday, as well as continued updates around the NCAA with Transfer Portal Madness continuing all that available for our everyday listeners. For now, we're going to talk to Jonathan Davis, the host of Locked On Longhorns, about this Texas offseason. All right, joined now today by Jonathan Davis of Locked On Longhorns. And, uh, John, I want to talk about uh, the thoughts. We're going to talk about Ronnie Terry, and then we're going to talk about the fact that Texas barely has a roster at this point uh, in the offseason. But I want to start with Terry because uh, for longtime listeners of Locked On College Basketball, you know that myself, my co-host Isaac Shade, we've been champions of Hire Rodney Terry. We were talking about it in December, in January, in February, and then full steam ahead in March as the Longhorns uh, went on their run all the way, of course, to the Elite Eight there before losing to Miami. And then the the team finally made the decision. They're bringing Rodney Terry on. He is the full-time head coach, of course, replacing Chris Beard. And I want to kind of get your thoughts on, on what how this process kind of shook out the timing of hiring Rodney Terry and how we just feel about, about having him be the man to, to lead this program going forward. Yeah, well, I obviously agree with you and Isaac, very smart people here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You know, I thought that Rodney Terry uh, deserved the job. I mean, when you win, you know, around 75% of your games, you win a a Big 12 tournament championship, you take this team to the Elite Eight, you do things at the University of Texas that have not been done Mm -hmm. in over a decade. And he came into such a tough situation on December 12th, right, with everything that happened and having to coach a game that night against Rice. And we saw every game this you know, team and the players they developed, they really mm-hmm. built, uh, they already had a bond with Ronnie Terry, but they really rallied yeah. around Ronnie Terry and the staff. And in the mm-hmm. most important games of the season, we saw the best from this Texas basketball team. And you can make the argument that if Dylan DeSue was not hurt, they would yeah. have made it to the final four in Houston. So mm-hmm. Ronnie Terry did an absolute amazing job this mm-hmm. year with the pieces that he was given. You know, I like mm-hmm. to say uh, when Ronnie Terry was given lemons, he gave us Chick-fil-A lemonade, you know, <laughs> and he really made the most out of a, a tough situation in terms of the timing. Mm-hmm. You know, I was always a big proponent of do it immediately. You yeah. know, I felt like Ronnie Terry had earned the job and I felt like he earned the right to go out there and coach with mm-hmm. job security, right? Mm-hmm. And not have that anxiety of, will I get the job? Or right. when will I be offered the job? Or if I lose this game, will they change their mind? Right. Anything like that. So I thought that I would have liked him to get the job before they mm-hmm. lost to Miami, just because, mm-hmm. like I said, I would have liked him to see that job security. I think he earned that job security, but they did it immediately after the tournament and I was okay with that decision. Yeah. yeah. Well, now Roddy Terry's looking at a roster that it's easier for us to say who is coming back, which is Brock Cunningham. That's about it that we know for a fact is returning to this Texas team. Now, four of these guys, Timmy Allen, Marcus Carr, Christian Bissup, Serge Jabari Rice, all of them are out of eligibility. So this is not a surprise. I don't think that it is surprising very many people that Dylan Mitchell and Tyrese Hunter have entered the NBA draft process. Uh, Dylan DeSue, as of right now, has not made an announcement. So there's a lot up in the air. The things we do know, Arterial Morris, that is a hard name to say, he has entered the transfer portal after a small role last year, very highly regarded freshman coming into last year's class. Uh, We haven't seen any additions in the portal. And then we saw AJ Johnson decide instead of coming to Texas, he is going to go play professionally in Australia. He's a very, very highly regarded player, a potential top 10 pick in the 2024 NBA draft. So I think a lot of people are excited about Rodney Terry. I suspect that's kind of the feeling uh, in Longhorn Nation, but how, how, what's the pulse right now with the roster that is kind of hard to even envision what it's going to look like next year? Well, I think, you know, people are are down on, on Rodney Terry right now in this Texas mm-hmm. basketball program. And, you know, mm-hmm. I understand it because 
based on what he did last year, he definitely deserved the job. But I still think yeah. that Ronnie Terry is mm-hmm. under a great deal of pressure because there sure. still are the legitimate concerns over mm-hmm. whether he would be able to duplicate this or if yeah. he was put in a really good situation with a really good sure. roster that was built by Chris Beard. So mm-hmm. there is pressure on Ronnie Terry to go out and mm-hmm. build his own team mm-hmm. and compete at the same level that he did with Chris Beard's players. All right. I'm putting that on air quotes for the people that are listening on <laughs> audio. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm-hmm. And recruiting is all about perception. Right. Yeah. And right now the perception is not great because mm-hmm. Ronnie Terry gets the job. And like you said, Arterio Morris interests the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Rowan Brumbaugh enters the transfer yeah. portal. Dylan uh, Mitchell and Tyrese mm-hmm. Hunter both declare for the draft. Mm-hmm. AJ Johnson decides I'm not going to college, period. I'm, I'm right. going to Australia <laughs> right. to play professional basketball. So mm-hmm. I think right now the the temperature on Rodney Terry, the mm-hmm. perception of Rodney Terry and his recruiting mm-hmm. is not great because it yeah. looks like, based on what's happened over the last week since he's gotten mm-hmm. the job, mm-hmm. that everything he did was with Chris Beard's roster in right. the Texas basketball team right now. Mm-hmm. is not going to be able to duplicate that. And you expected after they made that Elite Eight run, oh, okay, some players are going to stay. They're going to yeah. build on this. They're going to go grab some players from the portal, and mm-hmm. everything is going to be all right. And that has not happened just yet. Mm-hmm. But I still think that Ronnie Terry has been around for a long time. He's dealt with the transfer portal, especially when he was the coach at UTEP, losing mm-hmm. his players to bigger programs. Yeah. So he knows how the portal works. He knows how to build a roster, and he knows how to win at the University of Texas. And mm-hmm. I think he'll do so. But thus far, it hasn't been great. And like I said, Mm-hmm. recruiting is all about perception and right mm-hmm. now the perception is Rodney Terry got the job and half the program left but once he <laughs> fills in this roster with yeah. the transfer portal I think the perception will flip and the perception will be that Rodney Terry can recruit this is his roster and we'll be excited for the season so a tough start to his tenure but I think it'll all smooth out and we look forward to a great season at the 40 acres under Rodney Terry well what's funny to me is I don't think any of this, I'm not sure that Chris Beard staying would have changed any of this. Like obviously the four guys who are out of eligibility, were going to leave regardless. I think Dylan Mitchell had planned all along to be a one and done. I mean, his, his statistical performance wasn't <laughs> great last year and he's still declared for the NBA draft. I think Tyrese Hunter, maybe, maybe he would have stayed. I don't know. I don't know the whole pulse on that situation, but it doesn't feel like a lot of what has happened was necessarily Rodney Terry's fault. Like, and yeah. for lack of a better way to put it, I think a lot of this probably would have happened anyway. Now the Dylan DeSue decision feels like a really big one to me. And I'm curious kind of where you think that is at right now, because if you return him, if you somehow convince Hunter to come back all of a sudden, I think that that temperature kind of cools down quite a bit as you have at least a framework of, of what would be a really, really solid start to a roster for next season. Yeah, I think you make such a really good point, right? We mm-hmm. can look at it from, you know, just kind of a broad paintbrush and say, oh, okay, Rodney mm-hmm. Terry got the job. These five players left. That's mm-hmm. an indictment on Rodney Terry. But when you start right. to look at the situation a little bit closer and you frame the facts, right? Like you said, yeah. Dylan Mitchell was what mm-hmm. the fifth highest rated prospect yeah. coming out of high school. Like he was probably going to be a one and done. Tyrese mm-hmm. Hunter, he spent two years in college now, right? We know mm-hmm. you as a Gonzaga you yeah. know, fan and the host of, you know, Locked On yeah. Zags, yeah. you know, the longer you spend in college, the more the NBA starts to, you know, yeah. knock you down the ranks. So Tyrese yeah. Hunter, he's been in two years in college yeah. at two different spots. It was time for him to test the waters. He yeah. still could return to the 40 acres, as could Dylan Mitchell. Like you said, mm-hmm. Dylan DeSue could still come back. Somebody that averaged 23 and 10 in the tournament. That's a huge boost that would change the mm-hmm. perception of what Ronnie Terry is doing right now. Arterio Mm -hmm. Morris, that's definitely a big loss. Somebody you would have expected to come back and play in a bigger role. We saw the development of him throughout the season as a three-point shooter, as a combo guard, and as a Mm -hmm. defender. So that's definitely a big loss. And A.J. Mm -hmm. Johnson, 
although it seems like a big loss perception wise, when you look at, you know, some of the I read a story on 24 seven today mm -hmm. where they asked him specifically. And he talked about how much he loved Ronnie Terry. He talked about how yeah. much he loved the University of Texas. And if he were to go the college route, he definitely would go to the University right. of Texas to get coached by Ronnie Terry. But he made mm -hmm. the decision based on, you know, the development he saw from LaMelo Ball and Josh Giddy yeah. in the NBL that mm -hmm. he wants to get to the NBA and he feels mm -hmm. like that's the best path for his development. He also mentioned that, you know, college basketball in terms of offense, it's a lot of really structured sets, right? It's a lot mm -hmm. of X's and O's. And, you know, especially with Ronnie Terry and his basketball team last year, there were a lot of different playmakers, right? A lot of different decision makers. Well, he wants to be, you know, that NBA type guard that right. is the primary playmaker and decision maker. And mm -hmm. you can do that in professional ball in Australia. You probably weren't going to do that at the University of Texas. So mm -hmm. he came out and said, I would have loved to play at the University of Texas. This was a very tough decision. But mm -hmm. in terms of my NBA future, going to Australia is best for me. So I don't think, like you said, you can really put any of this on Ronnie Terry besides maybe the Arterio Morris decision. That was a mm -hmm. big loss for the University of Texas. The rest of them, I don't think you had any control over. In terms of mm -hmm. Dylan Dessou coming back, you went from having to you went from being in a position to where you could supplement this roster with the transfer portal yeah. to now probably having to build it through the transfer yeah. portal. Right. Mm -hmm. But we saw the emergence of Dylan DeSue at the end of the season. And so, yeah. like I said, you know, recruiting is all about perception. So if you get a Dylan DeSue to come back, if you can get one of Dylan Mitchell or mm -hmm. Tyrese Hunter to come back and then you can make a couple splashes in the portal, we'll be right back talking about Ronnie Terry and good graces at the 40 acres. Sounds like, we're thinking it's not necessarily Rodney Terry's fault that this situation has evolved the way that it is, but it is definitely his responsibility to figure out how to get this program back on track. I have a lot of faith that he's able to do it, but the transfer portal is a fickle, fickle beast. So we will see what happens. John, thank you so much for taking the time to join the show. Talk about the Longhorns. I'm looking forward to having you back uh, as we kind of sort out this portal mess, hopefully on a more positive note. Thanks again. Yes, sir. Hoku. Well, Texas is not the only team to see a mass exodus this offseason. The Gonzaga Bulldogs have only one guard remaining from last year's roster. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? More on that right after this. All right, segment three, still any patents, still locked on college basketball podcast. And today has kind of been about a trio of different high-profile programs and what has happened to them so far through this transfer portal offseason process. We led off with Michigan State and Matt, of course, talking about them returning Malik Hall, Tyson Walker, continuing to bring in a high-profile recruiting class, what that means for Tom Izzo's team. Texas, they lost just about everybody. They're kind of having a, a tough time right now. What does that mean for them? And we're going to close out the show talking about the Zags. And because we had our wonderful host for Locked On Spartans in Matt Sheehan, our wonderful host for Locked On Longhorns, Jonathan Davis, joining us, we're going to have our host for Locked On Zags join us in the final segment. But that's me. For those of you who did not know, uh, myself, Isaac Shade, the co-host of this podcast, we each host our own shows here on Locked On. I host Locked On Zags. So here we are to talk about what's going on with Mark Few's team and it's been a pretty tumultuous offseason so far, not as quite as bad as what has happened at Texas, losing basically every rotation player from last year's roster. Of course, a handful of those guys were already going to be departures just because they ran out of eligibility. For Gonzaga, the only player they have lost so far who did not have the option to return to school is Rasir Bolton. Rasir Bolton transferred to Gonzaga two years ago, had only two years of college eligibility remaining. Most people believed he would only be here for one year as a graduate transfer. Instead, he stayed for two. Now he is out the door, cannot return to school. But every other decision that has been made, 
are players that Gonzaga could have retained. Now, the expectation all along was that this was going to be the swan song for Drew Timmy, and that's kind of the catalyst for everything that has happened to Gonzaga this really for the last couple of years, quite honestly, everything has gone through Drew Timmy. There is a reason that it is called the Drew Timmy era, and it should be called the Drew Timmy era because he was the, I mean, even on teams with Jalen Suggs, on teams with Chet Holmgren, teams with Killian Tilly and Corey Kispert and Joel Eiai and Brandon, like all of these fantastic players, Drew Timmy was the catalyst, but he's out the door. He said, four years is enough for me. I'm done with college. I'm going to move on to the next stage of my career, whether that is landing in the NBA, whether that is playing overseas, whatever it may be. Drew Timmy, done with the college aspect of his life. So Drew Timmy's out the door. Rasir Bolton's out the door. That's two starters already gone. Since then, Julian Strother has declared for the NBA draft. News that surprises nobody. It was the expectation. He has been on preseason mock drafts. He has been on midseason mock drafts. He is already showing up on way too early June mock drafts right now. Assuming he tests well, assuming he scrimmages well, there's no reason to believe he should not be one of the 58 players selected in the 2023 NBA draft. I have been wrong about predicting players coming back to school in the past. I did not think Corey Kispert, for example, would return for his fourth and final season at Gonzaga. So it can I didn't think Kyle Filipowski, who we already spoke about earlier, I didn't think he was going to come back. So there's certainly times to be surprised, but I would be surprised if Julian Strother decides to return to Gonzaga. So if you assume he's gone, Rasir Bolton's obviously gone, Drew Timmy gone, then you have the transfer portal players. Hunter Salas, that's a very, very tough loss for Gonzaga. For those of you who maybe didn't watch a lot of Gonzaga basketball or not as familiar, you might look at Hunter Salas and see how he played 15 minutes per game, four and a half points, not a very efficient outside shooter. And, and I, I'm here to tell you right now, that's not telling the whole story about Hunter Salas, not even close. Hunter Salas is an elite defensive player. He's an extraordinary high-level athlete. There are consistency issues with the outside shot. There are overall consistency issues offensively, but there's a reason that the highest of high-profile programs have showed interest in Hunter Salas since he entered the transfer portal. For a brief period of time, Hunter Salas was the highest-rated recruit in Gonzaga basketball history, he was a higher rated recruit than Jalen Suggs coming into college. Now, Chet Holmgren uh, ended up taking the mantle from him and is probably going to hold that mantle, at least in Gonzaga basketball history, for a very, very, very long time. But Hunter Salas is a really tough loss for the Zags. They also lost Dominic Harris to the transfer portal, a guy who'd never really cracked the rotation in part due to injuries, uh, but another loss where uh, a guy that probably would have filled a bigger role next year. And then most recently, Earlier this week, Malachi Smith, a graduate transfer from Chattanooga who averaged 20 points per game for the Mocs, he played a very solid role for the Zags last year. WCC sixth man of the year, 8.7 points per game, 50% three-point shooter on the season. He has declared for the NBA draft. He does have the ability to return to school, and that is now a big question for the Bulldogs. Will Malachi Smith return? Will he continue to pursue a professional basketball career? He has not entered the transfer portal, so by all indications, it is either Gonzaga or the pros. But that's a tough one for Gonzaga because right now, the only guard, if we assume Malachi Smith is not returning, if we assume Hunter Salas and Dominic Harris are not going to pull themselves out of the transfer portal and come back to Gonzaga, which I'm not assuming either of those guys will do. Malachi, I'm about 50-50 on. But if Malachi Smith leaves, the Zags return one guard from last year's team, and that's Nolan Hickman. And Nolan Hickman is penciled in as a starter for next season. Hopefully you continue to see the growth and the development uh, that we saw from him from year one to year two. But at the end of the day, he's not a huge needle mover for the Zags. 
he he was fine. He he improved throughout the season. His turnover rate went down a lot. We saw him get a lot better at taking care of the basketball, not making those kind of mistakes. His outside shooting is a little bit inconsistent, but he finished the year shooting over 35%. So it's far from bad, but he just he's inconsistent and he struggled down the stretch. And for Gonzaga, they need to supplant that roster with significantly more help in the guard room. Right now, they've only made one addition. The one addition is a nice one. Eastern Washington transfer steel venters. Venters averaged 15 points per game last year. He's a career 40.9% three-point shooter on five attempts per game over the last three years. So they bring in a dead-eye sniper outside shooter. He is a six-foot-seven wing. He basically fills the role not as capably as Julian Strother because Julian Strother's an NBA player, but he is filling that outside shooting wing role for the Zags. Kind of a guard, not exactly a guard, though. So it it doesn't really help what Gonzaga really needs. Gonzaga really needs legitimate guards, and they need to find him in the transfer portal. They, they need to. They have no choice. If they don't find any guards in the transfer portal, if they don't find anybody who plays at the caliber that Mark Few and the, and the Zags are used to, we could be looking at a down year for the Zags next season. And it's been a while since we've really had a down year for the Zags. I mean, they haven't missed the NCAA tournament since 2000. So their down years don't lead to that necessarily, but will they be a seven seed, six seed, whatever it may be. That depends on how they attack the transfer portal in the next few weeks. Fortunately, if you're a Gonzaga fan, there are two big names that the Zags are currently, as we're recording this on Thursday evening, the two players that the Zags are very closely connected to, one of them, Taron Armstrong, starting point guard at Cal Baptist, considered by many to be one of, if not the best probably not the best outside of Ryan Nemhard, but one of the best available guards in the transfer portal right now, high level passer, inconsistent shooter, but a guy who would thrive in Gonzaga's high paced, high octane, constantly moving offense. The other one is Steven Ashworth, Ashworth, excuse me, out of Utah state. Ashworth has listed Gonzaga in his top five. Armstrong listed Gonzaga in his top four Uh, for Armstrong. It was Xavier Creighton, Providence and Gonzaga for uh, for Armstrong. It is Utah State where he is from. He could return there. It is Washington. It is BYU. It is Creighton again, and it is Gonzaga. In my mind, Creighton and Gonzaga are going to land these two guys. Which one goes where? Not exactly sure. Ashworth is currently visiting Creighton as we speak. If he were to commit, I think that would really push Armstrong towards Gonzaga because Xavier already landed a high-level transfer guard in the last couple of days. Providence just got a recruit who many thought was going to decommit, who is sticking with the Friars and coach Kim English after Ed Cooley departs to Georgetown. So in since Armstrong listed his top four, if Creighton lands Stephen Ashworth, three of those four programs will have landed a high-level guard since Armstrong's announcement. Does that mean that he's just guaranteed to go to Gonzaga? Of course not. But man, it, it seems to help. It seems to help. It feels like the Zags are in a fairly good position to land one of these two guys. Both these guys are true point guards, which creates a situation where I think Nolan Hickman would end up playing a little bit further off the ball. Might not be such a bad thing as a guy who took good care of the basketball, but didn't make a lot happen with the ball in his hands. I think having a point guard who's a bit more of a facilitator, a bit more of a straw that stirs the drink, as it were. Armstrong and Ashworth would both provide that, allow Hickman to play more off the ball, and it would be a heck of a start. 
Venters and Armstrong, incredible start to the transfer portal season for the Zags. What they do after that is going to determine whether this is a team that we continue to talk about as a number one seed or a top two seed, or hey, they're, it looks like they're a shoe in to continue their Sweet 16 run, which is now up to eight seasons, by the way, of continuing to make it to the Sweet 16. If they don't land either Armstrong or Ashworth, they have their work cut out for them because I think there's a good chance at that point that folks are going to be looking at Gonzaga's roster next year thinking, is this the team that's going to break the streak? Lots of off-season still to go. We'll find out more. We'll continue to keep you updated on the Zags, the Longhorns, the Spartans, and every single other team in Division I college basketball as we continue into this tremendous off-season here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Stick with us. Find us on YouTube. Go hit that subscribe button. We're just under 800 right now, trying to get to 1,000. So if you haven't done so yet, go to Locked On, or excuse me, go to YouTube, search Locked On College Basketball, hit that big red subscribe button. You can leave us a review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter right there as well and thank you so much all for listening enjoy your weekend and peace out